Hey everybody, it's your old friend John DeLuna with another RFC minicast. This one is a special holiday edition of the minicast during the greatest of holidays, Thanksgiving week. So if you're listening to this while you're stuffing a turkey or coming in and out of a turkey coma or sneaking to the leftovers right after everybody kind of stopped noticing, you're going to sneak that third plate in um, and you've got your headphones in, you're listening to this, thanks. Joining me this week, Brian Kilby, our boss, big boss man. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. XV, the Bobby the Brain Heenan of the group. I'd rather be Bobby the Brain Heenan. Too bad. I don't even know man. what that means. <laughs> Diecast, the um, Barry Horowitz of the group, <laughs> and Don Ferguson, our own Hillbilly Jim. Guys, how are you doing on this fine holiday week i'd rather be bobby heenan than vince mcmahon well there was no vince mcmahon i'm obviously tito santana because i have to be oh if I, so does that make me jack tunney sure okay yeah well i also called you big boss man so you could be ray trailer oh i didn't think about that yeah okay i'll take big boss man okay uh like early I feel big like boss I'm man versus again Early Big Boss Man or Attitude Era Big Boss Man, which was who was kind of awesome, at least visually. He was kind of awesome. He was edgier, yeah. I, I think I'll be Attitude Era Big Boss Man. Nice, good choice. Fellas, we're going to talk about a timeless uh, question, one that we have literally decades of combined experience in. And that question is, when do you buy Transformers directly from an overseas dealer versus domestic? So back in the day, your... International options were fairly limited. Uh, Hobby Link Japan was probably still one of the biggest players back in the day, back in the early aughts, uh, even the late 90s possibly. And they're still a big player. But now you also have Robot Kingdom. You have places like Taobao. You have uh, a variety of places, even Amazon Japan, if you want. And then here in the States, you have, again, like an explosion of options. Even not counting like the five or six like core Transformer dealers online, there's many times that uh, uh, if you look elsewhere for people who are carrying more than Transformers or just kind of casually offering Transformers online, there's tons of options to buy stuff. So the question uh, as we go into the holiday season is when do you decide to go direct to Japan or just the Pacific region of the world to order your Transformers direct? And when do you just sit back and pay uh, somewhat higher, at least upfront pricing, from a domestic dealer? Uh, first, XV, I want to start with you, since you've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, what, in general, have been some of your bigger experiences, like over the years? How has this, how has this changed over the decades, from your perspective? You know, one way this has changed is um, <clears throat> within the last few years, the exchange rate with the yen got really bad, and that made things a lot more prohibitive for doing direct imports from Japan. It actually was a lot more effective to start buying from the domestic retailers who were importing it themselves. And in a lot of ways, that kind of broke me off of um, importing from overseas directly, just because there's there is a certain convenience 
that comes with getting it from the domestic retailers. Um, you know, a lot of times they will pay for express shipping themselves to get a whole pallet of stuff sent over. Um, so you still get it with a pretty fast time frame without having to pony up for the express shipping yourself or resigning yourself to that like 20 day wait for the slow shipping. But back before the exchange rate crashed back in, you know, 2007 to 2010, give or take, uh, I was buying tons of stuff direct from japan uh hlj amiami when the management was better um even places that are like defunct now um most of my like gundam action figure collection came direct from japan just because it was really easy and cheap to do it that way versus trying to get from uh, an importer but that exchange rate crash really kind of changed the landscape i think hey brian back in the day did you order Domestically, or did you dabble in overseas? Even like back in the day of like car robots, and even a little bit after that. I mean, how far back, if ever, have you really kind of seriously dabbled in overseas stuff? I mean, strictly speaking, you mean Japan, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to be, if you want to kind I mean, of make I, it a simpler conversation, sure. I've bought, I've bought like UK stuff, Euro- European stuff from Europe, uh, but I mean, when it comes to uh, getting Japanese Transformers, like I uh, back, I used to buy up all the Beast Wars Second and uh, Metal stuff and uh, Beast Wars Neo, all of those things. Um, and but I always went through a domestic retailer to do that. It's only been the last couple of years when I've actually started going directly through somebody in Japan. Like the whole idea of using HLJ was really weird to me up until about about two years ago. Okay. Um, because of the, the I mean the fact that the exchange rate was favorable at that point. Um, the fact that these sites are now in English and their sites that I can just absolutely easily read without having to, to translate or get somebody else to explain how to use it. Um, I mean, like there used to be like uh, gosh, fan trade or something. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was basically a way to connect fans in Japan with fans in America to uh, obtain toys, but things like that always seemed weird to me. And the only time I ever got anything from Japan was when I would have a friend in Japan, like Dak Roland or somebody, who would send me stuff. That and that's because I mean he could just go <laughs> go to Toys R Us and buy it for me. Um, hey Dak, by the way. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I mean, just the idea of going through HLJ or anybody seemed really weird to me until recently. Now I do that stuff all the time and. I, I really enjoy Amazon.co.jp. I think it's amazing that I can buy basically anything from there. Yeah, make us a link while you're at it, boss. I don't so, know that I can't. I don't know that, oh, that it, they have that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you'd be able to anyway, just because it's you know not in the U.S. No, no, you can absolutely do it for like the the ones in Europe and everything. I just don't know that they offer that in Japan. Dang. Hey, Don. Uh, yes. How have uh, how have your buying habits changed? over the years are you buying more or less internationally than you used to uh it it sort of depends on what i'm looking for uh if it's if, if it's a tra- like if it's a car transformer where the paint job is better i'll definitely want to try to get it from overseas because uh, sometimes even with shipping it's cheaper than a domestic seller uh as we mentioned with uh what my own optimus, Pri- optimus primal I got it for about 20 to 25 less than most U.S. retailers were selling them for, even with shipping. Um, but if it's, a, if it's a figure from a line that uh, I kind of want, but I might be willing, I might, have, I might change my mind and cancel it, 
you know, I might go to the domestic one because a lot of the domestic retailers will let you cancel orders, whereas some of the overseas ones you'll have to once you make the order you have to pick it up, and if you cancel too many times they drop you. So you know, there's that as well. It's it just basically depends on you know the connection I have to the character and and if I want the best representation or it's just the store that happens to have it when I have the money for it as well. And uh, last but not least, because you're a power buyer, my friend, Diecast, how much, how much direct <laughs> overseas purchasing are you doing uh, daily? Ooh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> daily, your day, maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, definitely uh, at least one a week. I would say. <laughs> has that always been the case, or have you really like? Has this like really like grown for you personally, like over the last few years? Oh yeah, it's definitely grown. I mean, I didn't even know to look on the internet for Transformers. I guess I was really kind of naive about the whole internet thing. Like, I basically knew when I was a kid that internet was good for uh, cats. You know, we know. Yeah, cats and uh, naked people. Things. And just email, you know, I was, I was a very basic internet user and, uh, never even thought to look for transformers online. And then I found a transformers website and then actually my ex-girlfriend at the time started buying transformers. I'm assuming from like big bed toy store. Oh dear. And then, uh, what was the first site you stumbled across? Do you remember? Uh, it was a, T-Formers chat room, I think. Or not a chat room, but a uh, a board. And you know, there were there were it was kind of active uh then when I was in it. So the the earliest one I remember vividly is Bantha Trad on AOL. But I, I know that I bought from like just random sites on like GeoCities and stuff back in the day. Oh yeah, for sure. Where uh, the uh, product image was like a Ziploc bag. Yeah, with exactly. With a transformer yeah. in it. I yeah. loved yeah. it. <laughs> yes, it's like you have to squint to see. Okay, is all of Confutron in that bag? Because I, I get, I, I'm not, there's no return policy. Let me tell you. Uh, so, guys, the next question before we answer like the question, that is basically the title of the show. Like, when do you make that purchasing decision? Uh, I do want to ask this uh, this other broad question, which will kind of lead into when do you decide, or, or when do you guys personally decide, and it's price. So, you know, putting aside inflation and uh, how much toy per penny you're getting, like mass and number of parts and all that stuff, the fact is that the retail dollar amount of Transformers here uh, in the States has steadily climbed, or even if not steadily, it's climbed, right? So uh, the list price for a deluxe toy is much higher percent-wise than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And the other the other size classes kind of come and go, but uh, the theme kind of holds that uh, pricing has gone up. And in turn, the Takara versions, apples to apples, has still stayed somewhat more expensive than the Hasbro uh, equivalent. But even though, you know, you can't say, or at least I certainly can't say, I haven't done uh, a complete analysis, even though the gap between the Hasbro price and the car price may or may not have really, like, 
closed per se. Um, you know, Takara may have kind of kept pace with their increasing prices along with Hasbro. So it's not like they may not necessarily be coming closer together, but at the end of the day, hardcore collectors like us uh, may look at a Hasbro price and think, wow, that's a lot of money. More money than I'm used to. The Takara one is even more money, but if I'm already going to spend, quote unquote, more money, why don't I spend even more money, just a little bit more, and go with the um, the Takara version, which, you know, sometimes has extra paint apps, maybe comes with an extra accessory, et cetera, et cetera, is, is Japanese, which has its own cachet still in our fandom. So uh, going back around the horn, XV, do you think the rise in Hasbro pricing has on some level encouraged some people to go ahead and take the plunge with uh, buying Takara stuff, be it you know, from a domestic dealer or an international dealer, um, has that kind of encouraged people going, uh, uh, considering Takara's version of Transformers more? And then obviously if you're deciding to buy the Japanese version, then you're one step closer to buying from a Japanese dealer. What do you think the price has done? Like, there's not an across-the-board answer for this, because like with Generations, I think it's still competitive to look at the Hasbro ones more seriously. Uh, but with the Robots in Disguise line, there's absolutely an advantage to uh, strongly considering the Takara ones, because for the comparatively small jump in price from what we pay for the Warrior Class figures here, the Takara ones very, very frequently have much more... Uh, complete and intricate decos, uh, sometimes better plastic color choices on the baseline. Um, you know, for a line like that, there's a lot of advantage to keeping Takara ones in mind. With Generations, I feel like it's a little more hit and miss because some of the stuff Takara does with them, um, like you can look at the Legends Blur recently for one good example. That's a very distinct uh, step up over the Hasbro one. But at the same time, there's others like Hardhead, uh, for another recent example where the visual difference isn't all that uh, prominent, but there is still the rather steep increase in price from the Hasbro one that you can get that's basically just as good from my point of view. So it really depends what you're going after. With Masterpiece stuff, um, I definitely think there's more advantage to getting the Japanese one because when we get the ones we get here, the prices have been vastly inflated uh, compared to the retail they go for in Japan. It's almost always cheaper to import them than to buy the Toys R Us releases. Hey, Brian. So it, it really just depends. Brian, has the uh, has the increase uh, here and there of Hasbro uh, Transformer prices, has that pushed you at all or influenced you at all to look at Takara's stuff a little bit harder? No, I mean, no. Not really. Uh, I Like Hasbro stuff... You're normally going to find it in the $15 range. Sometimes when you're really lucky, it'll be in the $10 range. Uh, back in the day, back 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, deluxes were still like 10 bucks. I mean, they're bigger, but I mean, deluxes were still $10. Uh, I'm actually going through my Big Bad Toy Store uh, history right now, and it's only showing things back to 2005. So I can't go back to my uh, orders and stuff from before that to see what um, Takara Deluxes were going for. But I swear, I think Deluxes back then were going for $25, $30. Now, 
they're about forty dollars thereabouts. I know there, there's some big bad toys for markup on that, but uh, also when you check like Amazon Japan, I mean they're still pretty much in the forty dollar range. Uh, I don't know. In my mind, going from twenty five dollars to forty dollars is a much bigger jump than going from ten dollars to fifteen dollars. So I don't know that the Hasbro price has uh, made me more inclined to do it. I think the Takara's uh, the difference in the Takara pricing is probably which you know exchange rate factors in. Exchange rate factors into the Hasbro price as well. I mean, that's the reason that we, you know, have issues with uh, sometimes with toys getting smaller uh, because of futures and everything. But um, no, I don't think that's impacted it positively towards Takara. If anything, it's probably been negative. Hmm. Interesting. Don has uh, has pri- has Hasbro's pricing had any influence on you? It has a little bit because. Um, with with let's say for example RID warrior class figures running around 14.99 to 16.99 in general especially if it's a Toys R Us exclusive you know I, and there for a while the uh, adventures figures were running about 19 to 20 with not too bad shipping for just one figure even with the EMS uh the most recent example was Thunderhoof uh sorry Thunderhoof and uh uh, the I've I got the uh, from from Hobbling Japan I got the Japanese version which is a much better deco for about twenty three or twenty four shipped and it would have cost me if it, if it had been out in the time because I couldn't find any locally at least sixteen with tax maybe seventeen with tax and the Hasbro deco was just non existent there was no deco pretty much. So for me, in that one case, it, I'm spending $8 more for a figure I couldn't find, and I got the better version. Diecast, so, what you about know, you? Do you uh, take into consideration Hasbro pricing? I mean, is that affecting you at all, or are you you're just making your decision based on other things? Uh where I buy from, yeah, I mean, I, I do take price into consideration, but there's a lot of other factors. Like Don said, if I think I might want to cancel, you know, that may depend on even, you know, like HLJ, like you can cancel up until the item, you know, comes in uh, if you want to. So even though that's in Japan, you can still do that. Um, price to me really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, I'm not going to overpay for something, but in the case of Blur, like the Takara one looked much better. So I bought the Takara Blur. Um, you know, if it would have been like 50 or $60, I probably wouldn't have done it. But, you know, if it's I think it's probably 25 or 30 bucks, so that wasn't that much more than the Hasbro one. So I think it was worth it. Um, but like I said, I just I'm not going to overpay for it. So let's uh, tackle the primary question then. And so I think everybody's going to have a different set of criteria when they make this call. But uh, but hey, that's the point. So effectively, the question really is that viewers out there, listeners out there, I should say, might be wondering, especially if you're new to Transformers, there's so many overwhelming choices of where to buy, what to buy, when to buy. And now it's never been easier to buy really from any dealer that you want, regardless of where they're at and what country they're, they're in. 
And the list price, if you're talking Japanese Transformers, if you're buying direct from somebody like Robot Kingdom or HLJ, when you do the conversion, uh, chances are the list price, that's an important thing to specify, the list price is going to look much less, noticeably less, than a domestic dealer. But it's not the complete price, it's not the landed price, but the list price is lower. So, XB, I'll start with you. Like, what, when you're looking apples to apples at uh, the prospects of, say, specifically a Japanese toy that you want, uh, like, what are the, what are the things that you personally consider when you're shopping around and deciding, like, what am I going to pull the trigger? And am I, am I going to, am I going to buy this direct from a overseas dealer and have it brought in? Or if I'm just going to sit back and wait and pre-order or wait till it's in stock here in the United States. What I've learned over the years is that the most important thing to take into consideration is when I'm ordering something, because most of the stuff you're going to be pre-ordering months in advance, how close to release am I placing this order? Because um, the most important thing to remember is with the Japanese sites, you're paying them in Japanese yen and you are subject to the whims of the exchange rate. Um, today when we're recording, the exchange rate is 109 yen to the dollar. Tomorrow it could be, you know, 95 yen to the dollar. And suddenly your pre-order is a fair bit more expensive than it was when you made it. So um, in most cases, I'm not going to want to pre-order something months in advance because I can't predict what it's actually going to cost me in my native currency uh, once it actually comes out. Now, for something that's already in stock, I know I'm going to be paying this price with this exchange rate today. Um, if there is a a meaningful savings to be had with the shipping, and I don't mind either waiting a little bit for the slower shipping and save some money, or get the express shipping, um, you know the price is still going to be low enough. I will go ahead and do that from a Japanese seller I trust. I don't have a problem with that. But for most of I'm going to pre-order, I want to lock in a price where I know I'm I'm committing to this amount. And when it comes out, it's still going to be this amount or less if their source pricing drops and they reduce their listing. Uh, that's happened to me a couple times, and I've been you know very happy to see that happen. Um, a good example of the exchange rate working against you is um, with the Combiner Wars gift sets. Because the majority of those, uh, since the first two, have been retailing through the domestic importers um, at about $160, $170. Then there was the um, Unite Warriors Megatronia, which is about $25 more because when those when the retailers had to order them, the exchange rate was poorer. So you pay for it that way. And the same thing could happen to people who are trying to order direct from Japan with that when it comes out. The exchange rate tanks again like it did a couple of years ago. That's going to be really, really expensive. I I don't feel comfortable making the commitment ahead of time to that without having some security that my price is not going to drastically increase. That's good. So stuff. it's really about immediacy for me. That's great stuff. That's an awesome tip. Hey, Brian, when you're looking at... Uh at a hot new Transformer, or even something that, uh, say, will eventually come to the United States, like, uh, you know, like a Lyokaiser or something like that, and the overseas dealers get it first. They can ship it first. Or it's a masterpiece, where obviously they always get their stuff a little bit early. Uh, regardless of what it is, how do you, at this point, pick and choose when to buy direct overseas? 
so it's a little different for me right now. I mean, not so much for XV, but from where I used to be. I try to think in terms of who's going to get it to me first. Um, because I want to have it on the podcast to talk about because I might get a, you know, we might get a 10% traffic bump if I have something <laughs> before somebody else has it. I mean, just the way it is. Um, so I, I, if, if, if I know that HLJ historically is faster at getting something than somebody else and HLJ has it up on their website first, I'm more likely to go through HLJ unless like where Matt had to spend like an extra almost like 50% more for Lyokaiser and he got it through Robot Kingdom. Uh, I was willing to wait and get, you know, Lyokaiser for effectively retail and just because be, Matt produced a traffic bump for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, um, but yeah, but I think in the future, if I can just quickly mention that, I think this is going to become less of a concern because, I mean, generally speaking, the internet for the last few years has been all about disinterme- disintermediation between uh, consumers and people who sell. So, like, um, we have think, – think of things like Uber or think of things like um, Airbnb. It's less about having a, somebody who will sell you something and just having people sell directly to people. So maybe I will have a hard time getting something through HLJ or have a hard time getting something through Big Bad Toy Store. Because they have to turn like this major profit. Well, you know, that Transformers fan trade thing that I mentioned before, um, I think there's going to be way more of that stuff in the future. And it'll be way easier and less arcane and more trusted. Um, I mean, it's kind of like eBay is now, but it'll have a friendlier face on it. I, I don't really see much of a really honestly a big difference between going through, say, a Big Bad Toy Store or a DAC Roland or somebody just happens to live in Japan. I mean, technology is going to make it increasingly uh, less, uh, more frictionless for us. So, And the only thing to really keep in consideration then is how much do you trust this individual that you're working with? Hmm. Right. It, but I mean, so it, it's going to be like anything else. I mean, there's going to be a, a system of, um, oh, what's the word? Somebody's uh, reputation. So it's like, you know, what, what's their mm-hmm. score? Yeah. Done. What about you? When do you decide to pull the trigger overseas? Uh, for me, it boils down mostly to price. Where you know, whereas Brian is going to be looking at you know the factors on the show and who can get it to him. I'm looking at if I'm going to collect this figure and I want to have this in my collection, and I need to have the lowest cost in, in it possible, so that whenever I finally decide to sell a lot of this stuff. You know, I'll be able to either get my money back or at least not have as much invested in it as pure retail. So, if if I if I see it for a good price, but it takes a little bit, you know, I, I usually don't do surface because I've I've had too many scares with surface. Nothing, uh, nothing actually gone bad. Just you know, when I when I got my Star Saber back in the late nineties. Uh, the gentleman sent it surface, which was about a month and a half, and this is this is before the internet, like ninety, well, ninety three, ninety two. So yeah, that was a sort of a scary time. They're waiting for that star saber to come in. Um, I think it depends on basically you know who's got the best price. Uh, the mo- if I've got the money for it right then, or if I have to do some dynamics to make it work. Um, 
but generally, you know, if it's not, if it's a few dollars more and I can get it faster, I'll go ahead and do it. Like say from a local place. Cause the problem is if I get a busted one, let's, let's say I picked up masterpiece tracks and let's say he came in with something broke. How would like you know? Matt. <laughs> like Matt, <laughs> Like you know, see, back when the exchange rate was fine, I was getting all my masterpiece cards from HLJ, and I was saving about twenty-five to thirty, even with shipping, over all the domestic people. So I was saving a fair amount of money. But let's say I got masterpiece tracks in, and, and he had a def- defective issue, and one that couldn't be fixed. I have to send it back to Hobbit Japan, talk to them, get all that, send it back, and then get another one. And I have I have to look at you know. Is the money is the money I'm saving worth going through that if it comes up? Diecast, what about you? You do a lot. I'm gonna repeat that. <laughs> you do a lot of this. So, like, what are the uh, deciding factors for you? Uh, number one is is usually speed, like Brian says, especially if it's something I want to get to review. Uh speed is a factor uh especially i'm more excited to review it when you know there aren't many reviews out there for it or uh, any or, or any. any for example my <laughs> optimus primal that just came in uh i bought through anime export before i moved which means and there you have to prepay but you get a larger discount for prepaying and it was at the time when the exchange rate was good but it seemed to be trending the other direction so i figure i'll pay now lock in the low price then get it shipped to me well it was i bought it before i moved so it was showing my old address and i kept emailing them and no one would respond to me and i had one email from them where they responded on another issue a long time ago and i emailed that guy direct and he fixed the problem for me but it took about 2 weeks of that before i could actually ship it from there and then by the time i got mine uh well i got mine when we recorded the minicast like 2 days ago so for Optimus Primal, so that that one now I haven't done the review because I'm you know so many people have reviewed it now. Um, I don't think there's much different I could say about it. I think even Don reviewed it. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure probably. Nice. And we did a mini guest on it, so you know. Sure did. We we beat that monkey into the ground. It's in the can. Hey, you brought uh, you brought up so you brought up speed, which brings up shipping, and like I suggested earlier. The list price on overseas uh, sites is is one thing. The landed cost, which includes shipping and what have you, handling, whatever other charges they have, that's another thing. So for you, Diecast, if you're looking at speed, shipping can get really expensive if you're really serious about speed. So oh, how, yeah. So how do you factor that into your into your purchases, or is that something that you you just kind of accept usually with overseas the ems is you're saving money on the figure if you wouldn't buy from you know a domestic site so you know i i i don't mind paying a little bit more for shipping and plus i get it faster uh fortress maximus kind of hurt how much did you pay in shipping on that again 
Oh, wait, what was that? Like $75 for shipping? I or think something? it was actually like 95 but yeah. 95 yeah. It, it hurt. <laughs> we won't let you forget or change the facts. We won't let you rewrite history, sir. Yeah. Yeah, so that one definitely hurt a lot. Um, I'm probably going to, you know, think twice about ordering a big figure like that uh, overseas again. <laughs> but... uh I did have it like a month or two before XV, so. Most people did, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I chose poorly with my domestic importer. Ah. Hey, XV, what do you think is, uh, like, the, as far as, like, uh, time, shipping speed, cost, is there, is there a shipping method that you find is, like, tends to be, like, the fairest deal if you're, if shipping isn't a factor, but you obviously don't want it on a boat for four months. Okay, so um, HLJ started offering uh, international FedEx service for their overseas shipping, and uh, I haven't used it extensively, but I have had a few chances, and I found that for the balance of cost versus the amount of time it takes to get here um, was actually pretty, pretty good. And uh, has the also advantage of, you know, FedEx tracking the whole way too. So you can kind of keep an eye on what it's doing. The problem with any shipping from Japan. Um, and if you talk to anybody who has imported toys for a long time is the dreaded origin post status of shipping, which it doesn't matter what grade of shipping you buy. That's always going to be a factor what it is um, before any overseas shipment happens, a cargo container has to be filled. When you, when you order something and the uh, status information is origin poses preparing shipment, that means they're waiting for that cargo container to fill up so they can close it and send it on whatever vehicle is going to convey it across the planet. Um, so even if you pay for the express mail shipping, which, um, that can that can start to run you pretty high when you get into bigger stuff, as Diecast learned. Um, like that usually has a three to five day shipping estimate on it, but that also does not take into consideration the amount of time it may have to sit at a port waiting for the container to fill up so they can actually like make efficient use of their vehicles. So even if you pay a little bit more, you might still be waiting several extra days if they're not shipping out a lot of stuff all at once. Um, but, you know, the FedEx shipping uh, is not something that everybody offers. I think HLJ is actually the only one right now who uh, makes that service available. Some places use uh, DHL, which I've heard can be pretty good. I haven't had a lot of personal experience with that, except for one weird driver the one time. Um, but, you know, um, the, the postal options are going to tend to be a little bit more unpredictable. If you've got uh, an overseas retailer that uses a courier service like that, you might find that's going to be your best bet. Um, in terms overall, though, of balancing like the cost of the thing with the shipping time, I tend to find that, yeah, with uh, a domestic site that imports it themselves... I might pay a little bit more. It might be a few days behind uh, people who order direct. But this goes back to what Don was saying, too. I feel a little bit more secure in doing that because uh, I still get it pretty quick that way. And there's more of an easy recourse option if I have a problem with my purchase. So there's different factors. Um, and, of course, there's going to be things that you just can't import because of, like, customs restrictions, too. So... Hello, Megatron, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. 
Sans <laughs> orange cap. Uh, uh, do it in robot mode and uh, cross your fingers. And yeah. We, we can get it. I've heard stories that people's uh, MP05, uh, whatever the first MP Megatron was, which, uh, if I remember correctly, was packaged in robot mode, uh, there was a couple cases where those disappeared in customs. Man. Probably wound up in somebody's collections. Man, oh man. Yeah, just like when, you know, those nice bottles of wine disappear in customs. Yeah. The Japanese wine. (laughs) Uh, Brian, do you take uh, do you take shipping into consideration? Because you said too that uh, speed is really important for you, which would suggest that you're expediting stuff when you get it overseas. I mean, do you do you try to keep an eye on that? Do you try to kind of, you know, use it uh, thoughtfully, you know? I don't trust international shipping unless it's like EMS or something. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, so I, I typically go for the best, most efficient, most uh, safe uh, shipping method. One thing I really want to mention, though, real quick, I don't know if we're going to specifically call this out, um, but Don, or I, I, for, I forgot who it was, but I think it was talking about cost and how that's a, a big factor. I mean, so I, I think anybody who works in retail in uh, maybe a more of a strategic um, or maybe even um, I, I don't know uh, I would say strategic capacity uh, knows that Amazon at least in the US does not give a flip about margin they don't care about margin Amazon just cares about volume um, so it's to our advantage uh, to use utilize somebody like Amazon in Japan because they're a company that generally just doesn't give a flip about margin. One of our listeners uh, questioned why we would, you know, say that you know we were stealing money from Amazon when when we were doing the Amazon <laughs> um, affiliate link thing. And it's like really like they're dumb. I mean, they're not dumb. I mean, that's that's their strategy. But like they just don't care. They will lose money to make a sale. And uh, that's the one thing I've really liked about Amazon.co.jp. Is they've got some stuff that's pretty darn cheap. It's it's way cheaper than getting it uh, through a domestic retailer. Uh, they're probably making a little bit of money on it, but not a lot. Well, I'm I'm a little I'm a little opposite uh, what Chris was saying because I've I've got a really good relationship with my post office because they know I get a lot. I get, I'm a collector and I get a lot of packages. So for me, actually, that created a, that recreated a good relationship with yours, not yeah. mine, not mine. Yeah. Yes, but Kilby, you have ordered seventy-five pound dumbbells in the past just to be an ass. That was UPS. <laughs> that, that was UPS, and my mail carrier was my brother-in-law's mother. So go ahead. But uh, so for me, living out here, and generally the EM, like probably in Japan, EMS was actually a little bit cheaper than the FedEx price when they started that, and the. Uh, not having to play tag with FedEx because the closest hub is an hour and a half away. Whereas I have a UPS hub, you know, in town that I can have a package held and go right across the street from work and pick it up. So again, it depends on who the, who the carriers are. I had a very good experience with DHL when they delivered Optimus Primal from, uh, from Amazon Japan. But like FedEx, you have to play tag. You have to make sure either you've got a note on the door You've electronically signed a release because I can't I can't drive a, you know out 15 miles one way and then hopefully the package is here while I'm on my lunch break or something like that. 
So again, it depends on, you know, if, if my, my post office knows me and then they know to hold it and then they'll put a notice in my box, whatever the case may be. So that, that kind of what affects it is, you know, is it a high dollar item? Is it a lower dollar item? You know, while I, will I be there to get the package or not? But yeah, the shipping the shipping does play a cost. It's like like y'all were saying, you're saving money on the product if you buy direct from Japan. But is the shipping going to negate that to the point where, for example, and uh, the cost with shipping put it up to basically within three dollars of a domestic retailer, and what it, it, there was no, there was no cost savings other than getting it sooner. And again, I was worried about the figure having some damages or things like that, and I wanted to be able to return it easier than sending it back overseas. But uh, you know, it, it, again, it just depends on what the figure is, and uh, if if I'm going to have to pl- play tag with the po- with the postal carrier or with whatever the case may be. Yeah, as some of you may know, I do a little bit of shopping on Taobao, and. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, something we didn't mention was the manufacturer. So if if I know if it's Generation Toy or DX9 or Unique Toys, uh, chances are I'm going to find it at a lower price on Taobao and be able to get it a little bit quicker since they are over overseas. At, but if it's something like Make Toys, I'm better off just purchasing it from a domestic seller because for some reason make toys the the prices on Taobao are very high um so or fans project or there's a couple other ones so it it actually depends on uh fans toys also i believe the prices are pretty high on Taobao so it just depends on also what who who's making the the item that i want done Final point goes to you. You wanted to bring up something, too. I did, because with all of us living here in the continental U.S., we're looking at this from a very obviously U.S. point of view. But we all have friends that live overseas, and especially in Canada and the U.K. I only have friends in America. Don in 2020. Uh, Vote for Don. Yeah, but (laughs) – But – they get hit with massive custom fees. That's a really good point. Oh, it's yeah, awful, hidden yeah. fees. You know, crap that we don't deal with on a regular basis. Our, our friends, you know, and we all have got friends in Canada. We've all got friends in the UK or whatever. Some of us have girlfriends in Canada. Yeah, but all right. uh, Shh, don't sure. don't tell people about that. I'm allowed to have one in each zip code. Yeah, each but, zip uh, code. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, I don't think you want anybody from the zip codes around here, diecast. <laughs> okay. Point noted. Yeah. So, you know, that's something. If, if you're living outside the U.S. in one of these heavy custom tax countries, that's something else you're going to have to consider. Is how much are you going to have to pay to get your crap through customs? That's a great and, point. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I've, I've, I know a few people that are collectors in Canada. They can get one item that comes in. And there's almost like no tax on it, and then or there's no custom fees, and they'll get another one that's about the same thing, and it's half again more than what they paid as a as a customs tax. There's no there's no rhyme or reason, so you've got that variable on top of everything else. So, 
you know, that's something you're going to have to consider. Uh, like, for example, just as a real quick example, uh, one of our one of our friends uh, on TFYLP moved from Sweden to the UK. When he was living in Sweden, he could not find from scorn from uh, Age of Ex- from uh, Dark of the Moon. Dark, no, Age of Extinction, Age sorry. Of Extinction, yeah. Age of Extinction, Scorn. I was actually able to go to my Toys R Us, pay Toys R Us retail, him pay shipping to get Scorn to him in the package cheaper than him going down the, down the road and buying it at his local retailer. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that's kind of sad if you look at it, that he has to do that and still wind up saving money compared to what it is locally. I mean that's kind of the thing. Like the customs, the customs charges are a really good point to bring up. But at the same time, for the sampling of things that are available uh, domestically in the other countries around the world, a lot of time the on-the-shelf price is still going to be higher than whatever they would pay to import that and pay the import fees attached to it. So. Yes, we're talking about this from a very U.S.-centric point of view because that's all we've ever experienced. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of that kind of negates itself because the domestic market elsewhere in the world is not really competitive with importing from other regions, which is why I think they have those import fees like they do, too. Good point. I think uh, I think in summary, you guys out there, enjoy your free health care. I'll enjoy my steady stream of Transformers Legends. Yeah. Who wins that one? Hey, before we go, I want to remind everybody out there that you can support the show, this show, and every other show by going to tfradio.net slash Amazon to do your holiday shopping. Or if you're looking at our podcasts on tfradio.net, just click the Amazon link and do your holiday shopping. And when you check out, some nickels and dimes go in Brian Kilby's pocket. He uses that spare change to fund all of the shows somehow and still afford a new Mustang every even year. I don't, I don't buy stuff like that with that. It goes towards the show. Yeah, don't be silly. He's a Corvette man. So, well, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're buying the Mustangs out of your own pocket because you have the spare money because of tfradio.net slash Amazon paying the podcast bills. Yes. That's true. Brian Kilby is a master of moving money around. Don is the master of moving money around. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. So uh, we're going to be busy during this holiday week building the Kickstarter for Dononomics. That's coming soon (laughs) to you. We appreciate you listening to this holiday episode. Until next time for the minicast. This is John DeLuta for Brian, for Don, for Diecast, for XV. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays. And don't put stuffing in turkeys. It's, It's not safe. Music provided by bensound.com. <laughs>